1: welcome everyone to another exciting episode of supernatural girls radio i'm your host patricia baker and i'm here with my co-host pk patricia kirkman how are you tonight absolutely fabulous dripping with
2: the heat and it feels so good i'm so tired of being cold but they did it a little too quick i think they didn't you know a few baby steps, and then jumping right into the kettle. I wish they'd just had a few more baby steps.
1: (laughs) Well, I know what you mean. I'm guessing that, you know, we've had an extended cold period here in New England, and I was just saying the other day I I wouldn't be surprised if it just goes from cold to hot, just all these Mm -hmm. extremes lately. But I'm glad you're getting some nice warm weather. You deserve it. Oh, it's it feels so good. I don't care how
2: hot it is when you get in the car. It just feels good. I still haven't thought out from the way it was
1: so cool for so long. Oh, I'm a coward. me, like a warm. <laughs> I'm still sitting here in a down vest, so that's just how it is here in the, oh, in the yeah, beautiful state of it. number three in <laughs> coronavirus cases in Massachusetts. <laughs>
2: oh, yes. You've got your share of it now. That's for darn sure. If
1: well, we thinking thinking have had Tremendous influx of cases, and and it's really kind of of scary. They're going to keep the state closed down until May 18th, I hear, and go from there. But tonight, we've got a great guest, and I'm hoping he'll be able to make it on the line because I don't see him on the board yet. But we have Captain Randy Kramer, who is one of our most sought-after guests. Everybody just raved about the show with him last time. And as you know, he accurately predicted everything about this virus. He warned us. He warned our audience and said, this is going to be really serious, everybody. This is nothing to take lightly. And he gave us all the information we needed to really get prepared. So thanks to him, our audience knew what was going on before the rest of the world. And he's going to be back here tonight, I hope. (laughs) So that's the plan, anyway. Yes. Well, we're very anxious to get caught up with Captain Kramer, and also we planned on talking about updates on the virus and disclosure, because remember, he told us that we were going to have disclosure between six months and and two years. I know it's a long time frame, but Mm -hmm. hopefully it's narrowed down a little bit more. That would be nice. We'd like to know about that. And also talking about the missing 411 cases, I spoke with Randy off the air, and he had a lot of information about what may be happening to these people who are disappearing in our parks. And we also wanted to ask him, of course, about the smiley face killer cases, which were happening Mm -hmm. across college campuses where these young men were being found in these bodies of water, but they didn't drown, and they had been missing for long periods of time, some of them. And they weren't in the water that whole time. So very strange cases. Wanted to bring that up to Captain Kramer as well as anything else that he has to update us on in the world today. So I texted him and I said, we're on, so please give us a call as soon as you can. So until we hear from him, it's just you and me, PK. So what do we got for numbers? Well,
2: it's all right. We'll hold it down. It's worth waiting for.
1: No (laughs) doubt about that. Right. Right. Well, no, what's happening? Okay. we got a nine nine coming up?
2: Yeah, okay. we certainly do, Ollie. It will be a nine-month, and this is the problem with the nine months. Anytime we deal with nine, nine deals with ending, endings. So it takes you what seems to be going backwards, and this is a good as it allows us to redo or change or redirect things. Uh, just consider everything is unfinished. It, it makes it easier. The nine okay. makes us very emotional, uh, not only issues from the past, emotional type situations, but there are going to be triggers throughout the month that will create issues for us. And it isn't always happy stuff. The nine, like I said, is completions. And if it hasn't been completed yet, it's going to be something that's dangling that we've, it's not one of our favorite pinatas. Consequences of actions from the past, they're going to seem to pop up at this point in time and create some issues for you. Uh, you can trust what you feel at the present, but you have things tugging at you so you're not really sure. You're also going to need to adjust what you need to let go of and things that need to be redone. This is a perfect time to lay that out. Caring for others is an important role. So don't allow your negative ideas to cross over and create issues of the day-to-day stuff because you're going to find that caring for others, sharing and allowing the stranger of the corner, shall we say, to show that they have value and they have some worth because there are so many out right now that are going through such terrible, terrible, hard times. And next month it's going to show even more than it does at present. So the nine is about letting us become aware of others, how to really, how to realize, uh, extend our need to take care of others, keep us bound in achieving happiness. If we are upbeat and upgoing. Others will feel the same way as well. And that part's important for us. So memories are going to pop up this month that deal with the past. Fix them. Take care of them when you can. No man is an island. This has to be proven true throughout the past weeks, and it will be true as we go into the present. Repeating themselves. Let's kind of like not look at this as a time that we're having others that are stepping stones to be going forward and blending together to make this a stronger nation as well. Taking care and respecting each other. God, that's so important right now. And you're going to find Mm -hmm. that some situations will be concluded, bringing you some relief when the month is over. So don't assume the worst. Accept that your past is on the ground right now. You have to cover up, get rid of what doesn't work, make way for the other aspects of things. But your understanding of this will make this time an exhilarating and dynamic one, because it will help you let go of what doesn't work.
1: Just a thought. That is good. Well, and it looks like we're undergoing just a major renovation of our whole culture right now, and we're watching a lot of of people basically protesting, uh, being forced to stay at home, and then other people who are saying we need to stay home longer, so lots of opinions about this. Yet we're seeing scientists and doctors going after treatments and vaccines and all that kind of stuff. So it's a it's there's definitely a lot of energy moving in that direction mm-hmm. to find ways to uh, basically avoid or get rid of this horrible virus. And again, it was Captain Kramer who basically rang the bell on that for us and said, "Hey, this is serious. You guys take it seriously because it's going to get serious." And he was. Surely right. But while we're waiting for him, I wanted to talk about what's going to be happening next week on the show. We have a big event that we are going to be promoting next week with our dear friend, Renee Barnett, who does Night Vision Radio. She has a sister show to ours, and she's been working on on a big project, and it's just groundbreaking. I mean, I was just i was thinking about it today. Don't you really feel the same way? This is an amazing project. They're the first ones to do this. I think it's so fascinating, and it's incredible that all these things are
2: out and about, and we've, they've kind of bypassed us, like tiptoed around, and all of a sudden we've
1: got the frontal view of what's taking place. Well, this the big, is going to be yeah, very because what they've done, so we'll tell everybody, what's going to happen is on May 9th, you will be able to see every room inside the house that the movie The Conjuring was based on. Mm -hmm. There is a family living there now, and they are still experiencing hauntings and all kinds of poltergeist activity. And Brene and the company she's working with, they have put cameras everywhere. They put cable everywhere. So you're going to be able to see and hear everything for an entire week and if you go to our facebook page you will see a movie there a little trailer that you can watch they will get you very excited about taking part in this because it's 24 7 you can watch what happens inside this house and you'll be able to see the ghosts and moving things around or doing whatever they're going to do you'll be a part of it so it's going to be very exciting this is a worldwide event to be able to watch this and it's very inexpensive. I think for the whole week it's like 19.95, and you don't have to pay for the yeah. whole week either. They they have broken it down. I think per day also, which is really you know a small amount of money. But it's mm-hmm. going to be a terrific event. Now next week we will be having you, PK, talking about the numbers of this. Town. Yep. And it was quite a scary yeah. movie. I'm don't remember seeing the whole thing but i do remember seeing the trailer and this involved ed and lorraine warren who lived in connecticut and did the research on this house they went in as kind of ghostbusters for this house and it was quite a scary trailer so i would imagine the things that took place there were big things it was apparently called one of the most haunted houses or the most haunted house so I'm very excited to have Renee come on and talk about this entire project. And you're going to talk about the numbers and of this house and what it all means. And we are also going to have Corby on running tarot cards for this house so we'll be able to find out more in depth about what's going on there. So, And George might join us, too, I hear. So yeah, if George is able to come on... Yeah, he'll be have to, able to do to we'll tune get, in no. and and also share some of his psychic mediumship abilities and and see if he can tune into whatever is living there now. But apparently they had quite a few entities, and I think Lorraine Warren, at least in the trailer that I saw, was alluding to the fact that one of them was really dangerous. So mm-hmm. it'll be great to see this kind of thing and it's it's brand spanking new nobody else has done this before to my knowledge where you could do this for an entire week watch inside a haunted house so it should be great fun but next week we'll be introducing all of this to you we may also be able to get a member of that family to come on now this is the second family that's lived there since the movie was made the original family sold it moved on and now there's a new family but apparently all of the haunting and poltergeist activity never stopped so this is going to be a great event so are you excited about it i think it's fascinating
2: and to think that we're going to be able to be a part of part of it as we're
1: safely at a distance (laughs) not that i'm a coward or anything but uh (laughs) uh-huh i know i know really it's again you that's the best part we can watch from a safe distance so That's right. We don't have to feel any cold clammy hands on us in the middle of the night, right? (laughs) Oh, great! Now I won't
2: sleep tonight. So, getting anticipation.
1: (laughs) Well, we don't have to worry about it because we won't be there live and in person. But you know, when George and I did work together on the skull experiment, we were able to tune into things like this together and get some pretty mystifying photos. So maybe we can do the same thing while this is going on, you know, while they have the cameras on in the house. Let's see what else we can pick up. So I'm anxious to also just watch the movie. It's from 2013. So it's an older yes. movie. But, hey. Well, we're I'll older, too. The, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. So Someone I'll bring the three books. Before they went, we were too young. <laughs> yeah, right. How's exactly. that sound? Way too young for this. such a scary movie. Uh <laughs> But, yes, it it is an important uh, event. So I think this is a wave of things to come. This is going to be the first one. I think we'll see more of this in the future because people now like the interactive aspect of the Internet Mm -hmm. and all of what can be done, and you do feel like you're part of it. Plus, I believe they're also going to have chat available so people watching can talk to each other about what they're seeing and what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. So, again, a Totally. In a, Renee will be on next week. She'll tell us all the details and and all the history on the house, because we're still waiting to get the history, right? That's for sure. I want to I know, know who did like, what to who. And, I, exactly. Okay. I I Because, you know, I can watch the movie and so can you, but we all know that that gets dramatized and Hollywoodized. And we just want to know what is the real story here exactly. and, and be able to tune into that stuff. But, but anyways, this is... Uh, this is exciting. Go ahead. I think it what? makes a
2: big difference when, when you're able to see something like that, know some of the past history, and then see it's happening at this moment in time.
1: Wow! What? Yeah, a exactly. thought? Now we've kind had of like people watch, on the show boom. before <laughs> and, with that have yeah. been a part of, you know, lived in haunted houses, like that guy that bought the house of the serial killer. Remember him? Right. That's right. But the thing well, yes, is, very is that that really interesting comes shows. Yeah, but the thing that was so interesting about that family is they were all scientists, engineers. They were very level-headed, mm-hmm. so none of this stuff spooked them. And I think as a result of that, they were able to keep it under control, so it didn't spiral and get really, really terrifying. I know their tenant was more terrified than they were because he was the focus of a lot of the activity but that was a very True. interesting show. Remember the way they handled it? They were very, very calm. Yeah. And George and, stepped right in and picked
2: up on some of the things that
1: were ongoing at that time, too, for us. Yes. Yeah, he tuned right into it and was able to, uh, to add some insight to it. And I'm sure he'd be able to do the same for the house that The Conjuring was based on. But, again, I think so much does depend on the state of mind of the person that's there. And it can certainly get amped up with fear
2: oh my gosh yes well you know if you just think about it when you get uh, somebody scares you or you get a little thrown aside by being startled how it affects you and how the momentum builds and such and when we're talking about something like this that has taken over a family of the home
1: boy does it leave footprints on you well, yes, I think so. I believe Vinay shared with me that there is one daughter that will not return to the house. She absolutely refused, and I don't know why. Obviously, something happened that just made her feel like she couldn't deal with it anymore. So she is not a part of this. Um, but we'll find out. There's there's a lot of aspects to this, and certainly with Ed and Lorraine Warren involved, there there was there there were really good ghost hunters and demon hunters. So I'm interested to see if that entity that they were so afraid of was demonic or is just some nasty spirit. I think it probably was some demonic entity. That's my guess. What do you think?
2: I have a funny feeling that we're going to get a surprise out of it. Don't ask me why. It's just a gut <laughs> feel. I feel that there's something under here that's going to be like the jack-in-the-box. It's going to pop up when we least expect it.
1: That's well, what
2: anticipation
1: well, I'm all for it. I think that that would be fun. Well, I am. Well, I, want, fun. I
2: want to know what's behind door number two.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't want to be scared too badly, but we're surprised too badly. But that's all right. We we will uh, we will keep an extra pair of pants around if we need it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad idea. <laughs> So I don't know you know, I don't know if I'd want a camera in my room or in my house twenty four seven. I think that would be quite a lot to handle. But I guess these people were very open to it, so we get the benefit of that. So I don't well, know I where Randy was- is but we'll just keep talking until hopefully he'll show up. I've oh. sent him just so everybody knows I sent him the call-in number. I told him the show was starting, and then I said, we're waiting for you. So hopefully he's gotten at least one of those messages. Maybe he's he's not out hiking a Sedona mountain. Pardon me?
2: I was going to say, is it possible that he's picking it up as the old time? Because we had the time change.
1: You know, I don't know. Because I told him it was 730 Eastern, so... Yeah, he should, but he should have been here. But, yeah, you're thinking maybe he thinks it's an hour later than when it is.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, we'll find or,
1: out. <laughs> he picks up his phone.
2: <laughs> right. Oops. Just
1: Well, in the meantime, anybody who's listening, if you want to stuff. call in, call in at 563-999-3539. And if you want PK to answer any of your questions about numerology and sure. your name, here is your opportunity to get a free reading. So, again, that phone yeah. number is 563-999-3539. If you have any questions for either one of us, feel free to call in while we're waiting for the captain. And I do think the captain can tell time, so I'm hoping that he's just not stuck on a – I know he likes to hike. So he may have taken a, a hike up one of the Sedona Mountains and just lost track of time. In this neat,
2: so, I hope not.
1: Now, I hope not, and you know that cell order. service up on those mountains is a little sparse. But we will see, because I know we Very want to sparse. hear what he has to say about all this stuff. I know what. After all, he's, he is a good doobie, and we want him to show us all that he knows. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, hang on. we got a question here from a caller, so let me bring this caller on the line. Sure. The wheel spinning. Hi, you're live on the air. Who's this?
0: Hi, ladies. It's uh, Hugh. I wanted to take advantage hey, Hugh. of you. Hello. How you doing? Your, I'm doing very well. You? I was yes. supposed to be dead in 2007, but I'm going strong and changing the world from my dining room table. And I Good enjoy your you. shows and all the different guests that you Good. bring on. And I just uh, thought I'd take advantage, uh, as long as you have the offer open for. PK to do a numerology on me. All
2: right. I, what is it like Give me your month and day of birth. I don't need the year, just the month and day.
0: September 22nd.
2: Okay.
0: You want All a location, right. too? I have that. I have everything. Nope,
2: I don't need a location. I uh, know York, who you are. <laughs> New York
0: City, New York. <laughs>
2: yeah. I don't need that. I'm looking at you and what's oh. going on in your world right now. Uh, this has been a year... I think you're spending more money on doing different things than you thought you would, and that uh, right now you're laying things out. Are you taking a trip? I'm picking something up about a trip around you.
0: No, I'm pretty much homebound, but you're correct in what you were saying because I'm being led in different directions and actually rooting out corruption, (laughs) and that's where I'm spending money to get things typed up and out there. I just... uh, uh-huh. I had a whole situation with a restaurant that I asked for a delivery back on January 31st before the uh, pandemic really set in, and it mm-hmm. was uh, they they made all kinds of horrible mistakes that they tried to say was my fault, and wound up investigating, and they turned it over to their attorney. Who started telling lies. And so I said, oh, I'm boy. not going to let that go by. So, yeah, I've got them on the so hot I'll seat. I'll tell you yeah. what, since
2: you're in an eight year, they better beware because that puts you in charge.
0: Okay? Well, what I like to do is make lemonade out of the lemons. So I don't do mm-hmm. things just for me, but to show people how to use creativity and uh, truth and honesty. To, that's a better way to go than lying.
2: Oh, definitely. And then you're in a month where you've got a lot to say, you get to say it, and you're very creative about what you're putting out there. You're going to be heard, and it will be a Pops Beelzebub next month for them. Hang on there. You've got a good way to go that's going to be very positive on your side.
0: Oh, I feel it, and that's why I laugh, because I I don't have any fear. and I, I look at each day as a... A miracle, because I'm in the VA healthcare system of all places too. They <laughs> uh, well,
2: they're taking pretty good care of a lot of people these days. They've got well. Their I have together. to be very Lots careful. I, I I do
0: uh, work a lot with spirituality, and I I don't let anything invasive happen. And they were trying to do some tests that actually caused me more physical distress and psychological mm-hmm. distress. But I I pushed right back on that, and they backed off so far.
2: Oh, good. Stand your ground, because you're authority this year, so take advantage of it. Up until uh, the end of uh, September, you're in better charge of things that are ongoing around you. After October, things are going to change where you can get rid of what doesn't fit anymore. So work on it, to up it your way, and then let it go by
0: October. All right. I appreciate that, and uh, I don't know if... uh... Both of you ever looked over that big website? Because I have a lot of documentable things on there. I heard you talking about Lorraine Warren as a, a show, an archive Bob talk show, where I actually spoke with uh, Alexandria Holzer, the daughter of Hans Holzer, the father of the paranormal. Oh,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you're very into so much, Hugh, that it's always interesting to have a chance to chat with you.
0: Well, we all have creativity, but people are being manipulated and controlled. They don't look at I, – I worked 100-hour weeks, too, but I tested my entrepreneurial wings functioning as an independent international marketing consultant back in the early 80s, and people mm-hmm. who didn't know my background actually had the wonderful mentor who uh, has a letter of reference uh, on the Internet on the big website, and, he was like king of franchising, and uh, at the time I was coming into contact with him, was helping Tom Monaghan out of a difficult time. Tom Monaghan, the founder of Domino's Pizza, but he truly wow. loved what I had, what I was doing in my mind, and tried to start an organization. But unfortunately, he took ill and passed. So I, I have these people that come in and out of my life, but uh, it's amazing uh, just. I have a divine gift of what I term creative utilization of information. And that's what really needs to be sorted out during this pandemic is for people to take personal responsibility and tap into their creativity and spirituality and be a blessing to others. And that actually through the law of attraction will be a blessing back to you. So what I'm looking to do as I also root out corruption and empower women and indigenous people in the process is to show people how to create circles of love where everybody benefits, not the greed that we have.
1: Oh, I like that idea. Circles of love is perfect. Right. So anything else, Katie, you, you, located you located can town? share with Hugh? I I anything else you about his located? numbers?
2: Well, that's why I was taking a look at some of the things that we were talking about for him. I wanted to know where he was located at these at this point in time.
0: Well, it all ties into my. So that's an interesting question because I never even if somebody said what I'd be doing a few years ago, I think they were absolutely just getting him out of the insane asylum. But I am self-proclaimed here the heartbeat of America, currently residing in Ashland, Virginia which is about 20 miles north of the capital, Richmond. Mm -hmm. Ashland builds itself the center of the universe. Ashland sits in Hanover County, where Patrick Henry grew up, who said, give me liberty or give me death as a Vietnam era veteran. I feel the same way all these years later, so I'm looking to get the country back on track, not to be the greatest thing in the world, but to show how we can unite despite our differences and bring forth new paradigms based on spirituality and unconditional agape love that will mirror out freedom, liberty, and justice to the whole world so people don't keep having to come here for their salvation. They can see how we can peacefully come together and do that in their own countries.
2: I think it's important that we accept others' differences as they are, but not make it a difference where we are anti-each other. Right, to give
0: the respect, exactly. Just coming into the communities with respect and listening to each other and then forming solutions that will benefit everyone in the community and then even bringing that out further. I have ways that haven't even been thought about yet of, like, franchising information globally. (laughs) And then, too, how about a worldwide business Olympics? Right now they can't even – have the Olympic Games, all these athletes and stuff, but how about people that are handicapped that every country in the world can bring forth their best company transparently, what I like to call a BLT, blogs, links, and transformations, to show how that company in the country is being good to their employees, their customers, the environment, and giving back to the community in ethical, legal, moral ways. That's where we really have to shift.
2: You're saying we're well, we going to be a big cut one. Back on big the shift. Shift. Cut back on the greed and let's start looking at the need. To make it well, better. Well, I just want
0: to touch on it since he hasn't called in yet, too, and it ties in with what you just said. I recently saw a PBS special called Frontline. They did a whole two hour special on Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world. He's worth $130 billion. And I was looking right. for his endgame, but these billionaires. They get that old boys club, and it's just total greed. They, I guess they feel the one that has the most, but they don't. Uh, but I saw recently in the news where Jeff Bezos was asking for people to donate to a fund that he was creating for employees that might come down with a COVID-19 virus. Now, that's insane. The guy's $130 billion. That's pocket change for him. And even in watching the uh, frontline presentation, it was very interesting to me because all these order pickers, uh, they have time and motion people studying them, and they automate as quick as they can. And when they employee can't outdo the automation, they're gone. And already, I don't know if you're aware, uh, Walmart has a fully automated store, no cashiers. So Not all uh, of them. Not No, but uh, this, they're, they're yeah. just bringing that online now, and that can mm-hmm. carry over into everything, like fast food and everything is getting more and more automated and with artificial intelligence and robotics. So yeah. this is where people really have to look at tapping into that spirituality and creativity and making mm-hmm. sure they're not prostituting themselves to a company just for a few bucks. Yes. Well, you
1: know, exactly. the hard well, part is... Let, let me just uh, change the subject. I'm going to thank you, Hugh, for your comments, but I wanted to get back to the missing 411 cases, and so I'm going sure. to put you back on on your other line here. And thank you again for your question, and PK, thank you for the numerology that you oh, did for Hugh. Thanks for letting anybody me talk else to who you. wants their name done, um, please call in at 563-999-3539 while we're waiting for our guests. And I wanted to mention also, let's go back to these missing people, because we did have mm-hmm. the detectives from the the Smiley Face Killers on the show. That was a fascinating show with the two gentlemen that were on, and oh, they were they very, very knowledgeable about
2: everything. Yeah, yeah really well, they were very knowledgeable
1: about the fact that these cases weren't being dealt with properly. But the other side right. of this are the people that go missing in the national parks. That's a whole different thing. So, with the national parks, if anybody has gone to the Facebook page this week, they've seen this. I posted a very mm-hmm. interesting map. The map is of all where all the missing people uh, have gone missing right. in the United States and
0: mm-hmm. where
1: the cave systems are underneath the United States. And guess what? They match. So we have to ask the question, you know, what's living underneath in that cave system that may be traveling through the cave system and kidnapping people, men, women, children, and taking them away, and that may be one of the reasons why we can't find them because, you know, David Polites has done brilliant, brilliant detective work here. He has presented just the facts of these cases. He does not make any suggestions about what may be happening. He just presents the facts like any good detective would do. Mm -hmm. And we're all left kind of scratching our heads like, what the hell happened to these people? But that map is very telling. It's a big piece of evidence. That map absolutely
2: blew my mind. I could not believe it, Patricia, when you put that on, one over the other. and uh, You'll have to put that back up again for those that have missed it.
1: Yes, because it is a very powerful piece of evidence about that cave system. Mm-hmm. And who knows what's living down there? Now, People, some people have reported seeing uh, what they call is a Bigfoot-type creature, whether it's Bigfoot or not. I don't know. I know Dr. J, who's been on the show, he would say it's not Bigfoot that's taking people, but other people would disagree with him. So they've seen some type of a hairy creature on two legs. They've seen in one point, in one case, David Pilates talks about this, there was a, something slung over the shoulder of one of these creatures after this little boy went missing. Could it have been the little boy? We don't know. But these are some of the things that we need to really continue to investigate. And there's been talk, as you and I have discussed, of wild men, people living in certain areas, remote areas in these parks, and we did hear a story that one of the park rangers was attacked by a wild man, almost killed. And it was after that that they cordoned off that area and tried to keep hikers out of it. Obviously, it's very dangerous. So there's just so many things going on in the park between these wild men or Bigfoot or something else. And then there are people who just completely disappear but UFOs were spotted in the sky before they disappeared. But they never surface. Some of them just never ever surface again. You never see a their nor hair of them. You don't see their equipment, their shoes, anything, their guns, their bows. If they're hunters, you don't, you know, you don't even find that. They're just gone. So who's taking them and why? This is, I think, a fascinating mystery, and a group of mysteries. And I just so admire. David Politi's work, and if you haven't read his books, I highly recommend you read them, because they're full of really good information. It'll get you thinking. The books, also, everybody, they're not available on Amazon. They're only available through David's website, which I believe is Can-Am Project or CanM.com. You can find it on the internet, and buy the books directly from David. He also has two movies out, and they're also very much worth watching. I just saw The Hunted, not too long ago. It was excellent. Have you seen that one, PK, The Hunted? No, I haven't. I have been looking to uh,
2: check that one out. There's another one that he's had out that I was wanted to look at as well. I get sidetracked so easy. My brain is it's in <laughs> warped speed, <laughs> or warped, I'm not sure which.
1: <laughs> well, put that on your list, The Hunted. It's an excellent movie, and it really is it makes you think about what in the world's going on in these parks and why these people are disappearing without a trace because they will bring tracking dogs in, and these dogs love to track. They live to track. That's what they want to do. And yet they can't pick up a scent of these missing people, or they'll go to a spot and lie down, or they'll walk in circles. This is not typical behavior of a tracking no. dog. So no, that's the fact. Go ahead. I'm
2: sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think the part that is very nerve wracking for those that are out trying to find them is that there aren't enough pieces to the puzzle to get them on a direct route. They're having to put every piece together and try to totally review, redo constantly because it's one little piece here is found,
1: changes the whole. Per, a complexion of what's taking place well but and there's, there's so many different things going on it's not just <laughs> one thing that's taking these people it's it's a group of things that are happening and then there's the smiley face situation which you and i discussed we don't think the smiley faces are in fact related actually to what's going on but that's a whole other thing And I know the detective told us off the air that they did have some witnesses to one of the possible abductions that was thwarted. And these people, he said, had military training. So, what's going on there? You know, is this our military? Is this a dark ops operation? Does this stem from Project Paperclip? What is that? That these people had military training and they're abducting these young men. They they keep them somewhere for a period of time. You know, it can be a week. It can be seventy two days. One of them was missing for, and then mm-hmm. the bodies are placed in water. But they don't. They're not. They don't drown. That's not what kills them.
2: Oh, so
1: oftentimes the they can't even they, find a cause of death.
2: No, there's no marks on them. That's the for the part, most part,
1: Yeah, I think that in a couple of cases there were ligature marks, but it's not what killed them. So yeah, that's again,
2: I mean. nothing
1: goes yeah, up it, like the or whatever. There's nothing too many questions. And of course the families have no closure. They don't know what happened and it's it's so devastating. But you know, we have heard of cases also where there has been there have been large amounts of G H B in the system, which is known as a date rape mm-hmm. drug. Uh but that also dissipates pretty quickly but that that's found in the body. So who's giving it to them before they place them in the water? That's the other question.
2: Yeah, because Why? enough Why? time. What in are the... they doing? Because if
1: they were beating them up or torturing them, they'd be they'd have marks, but they don't.
2: Right, and the fact that they're giving the drugs at the period of time between the time that they're missing until they're found, the drugs would have dissipated if it had been yes. given to them at the beginning.
1: Right. Because that's the kind of drug that apparently can paralyze you, so you have some idea what's going mm-hmm. on, but you can't do anything about it. Must be a terrible thinking feeling, uh, that's that, for sure. That would have to be a god awful feeling. Yes. One I don't and ever want to experience. No, mm-hmm. definitely not. And they tend to take uh, German, people of German heritage. Why German heritage? There were also five physicists that went missing in the national parks over a period of time, and they all were German. So why? You know, why are they taking Germans? That's why, I, in my mind, I make a link between that and Project Paperclip, where we brought over so many Nazi scientists. And That's you true. know we that did. never stopped. That Those projects they yeah. were working on in Germany, they just never stopped them. They just continued them here in the U.S. So... Is mm-hmm. that what's connected to this? Is that the link, and why they are looking for German people to to take? But it's, a, it's well, a they really, always I consider themselves it superior. Yeah, that had a lot to do with it. I think it's a lot more terrifying than people realize, because these oh. college-age men that have been taken—they were all very, very brilliant, uh, very, very good scholars in what mm-hmm. they were doing in They're their school. All schools. very intelligent young men, and athletic, all very athletic. Some of them were uh, were on different teams for their schools. And so they were basically cream-of-the-crop uh, young men that were being taken. And, again, we don't know why. We don't know what's done to them while they're missing for all that time, which I can imagine for the parents must be an incredible nightmare without end. And our hearts go out to them, certainly. But it's time to really focus on solving it. And as you know, Kevin, the detective that led, led this whole charge about these killings, is is still looking into it. But it, it's just there's so many dead ends, and then there's there's things that he said he was led to, but it didn't pan out. It it's, again, too many, too many twists and turns along the way with these missing kids.
2: Oh, it's got to be so frustrating for them to be working on something and think they've gotten to the, the apex here and the next, you know, right back to square one again.
1: Well, yes, just... yes, exactly. Now, I do recall they did share with us an interesting story about a, the girlfriend of one of these men, these young college men, got a phone call from her boyfriend, and he said to pick him up. So she waited for him outside the hotel where he was, drinking with his friends but what happened was he came out of the hotel she was parked on the side on the street there was a black suv parked on the wrong side of the street where she was so she was watching that so her boyfriend comes out and he starts walking towards the black suv and right past her and so she's screaming his name to come back to her car, and he was totally disoriented. Remember that story? It was really, really awful, but had kind of a happy ending for a little while. So what happened was he walked back to her car, and he said he didn't feel well. He didn't know where he had been. He was, again, very disoriented. She took him home. Then she said later she wished she had taken him to the hospital, but she took him home. And then it was a short while later. He was out again with his friends. That time they got him. He was kidnapped. Gone. Oh, it
2: sounded like they were waiting
1: for him. And and I they wonder absolutely why. were. And and apparently, oh. uh, you know, you have to wonder. It's like was there mind control involved? What was going on? Which what made him want to walk to that black SUV? Something. What made them him, him to that? To-
2: what made them want him? This is the second time around. Why did they? What was it that he knew or could do that made him a key part of
1: their program? That's what everybody wants to know. And they, Again, they're all young, athletic, good shape, you know, good physical shape, very intelligent, doing well in school. All of them had those characteristics. So, yeah, why are they taking them? And then killing them and we don't even know how they're yeah. killing them
2: no it doesn't even make good sense but of course there's a yeah. lot of
1: things out there that that's for sure no now amazing they're also now let's go back to the national parks so some, some of the things that go on there are extremely bizarre in the way that they especially with missing kids because mm-hmm. often with missing kids they will find remains not anywhere near where the child went missing. So something had to take that child miles away from where where that child was originally. But they they've been talking about what they found, like a skull cap with deep scratches in it. You know what could do that? And you know just things like like that, like certain little bones that they find, but not the rest of the bone? Mm-hmm. It's, and it's not a predator. They said that they've talked to mountain lion experts, bear experts, and it's definitely not that. So, you know, it makes you think about, with the scratches on the skull cap, those pterodactyl-type creatures that have been spotted mm-hmm. that aren't supposed to That's exist. Naughty. You know, and you wonder, I mean, those things had huge wingspans, could easily pick up a child and carry it away. So is, is something like that doing it? Or I'll be back to the Bigfoot-type creature. So I just, when so, we talked to so Dr. Bigfoot J. I don't know if you remember this one, but he said it's definitely not Bigfoot. You know, they wouldn't do that. I don't think but it's Bigfoot either. Yeah, not I think I it's count. possible. You know, what I mean? you know there's yeah. as he said, there are, there are there's also another group of Bigfoot-type creatures that were left here by aliens thousands of years ago and they are violent and vicious and they're capable of this. So he is attributing that to those creatures and they did he did give them a name but I can't remember it off the top of my head. But he's a big proponent of, you know, Bigfoot is kind and gentle and nice. So mm-hmm. that's his opinion and also based on his own experience and continued research with Bigfoot people. You know, there's good and bad in everything. Who knows? There could be a tribe True. out there that's you know, cannibalistic towards humans and wants to pick up little children. Who knows? We don't know. Yeah. These creatures are very elusive. They come and go through portals, they have easy access in and out and again the cave system. Now right. years ago we also had Dahani uh Iwahu on the show. And mm-hmm. She told us that the Bigfoot traveled through a cave system under the United States, and she told us that four years
2: ago. We were talking about the cave system as the map shows that there's so much going on underneath. I'm surprised
1: that we haven't got
2: more information about what's under the ground at that point in time, or any point in time. Well, I think we
1: have some information about those caves, but... I don't mm-hmm. want to go traveling looking for anything. At the same no, time, again, I just it, it yeah. It just really struck me that in an interview with Dahi, she did say that she said that's how they travel, is through mm-hmm. the cave system underneath the United States. So Dahani talked about going out to meet with the Bigfoot once a year, and when she would go to meet them. She, she had many students throughout the world, and she'd bring a few students with her who really wanted to meet them. And she said they would have this gathering at a certain spot in the middle of the country, and she would go. So <clears throat> these these three people would go with her. And she said, you know, I got tired of taking them <laughs> because every time <laughs> we go, the Bigfoot mm-hmm. would start coming towards us in those large Shapes would trigger something in their unconscious, and they just pass out. So, oh, for heaven's you, sake, yeah. And you know, I can see that happening because anything like that—can you imagine? You know, you're faced with a seven-seven-foot-tall creature or more who is, you know, coming towards you. I would imagine mm. in our conscious or unconscious minds, we would feel some deep threat. But she said I got tired yeah. of it. You know, they'd pass out, and then I have to take care of them, and I didn't want to bring them anymore.
0: <laughs>
1: so, so she stopped My bringing them thing with for That would be don't fail me now. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Mr. Oh, Honey was very knowledgeable about so them and had many experiences with them that she shared with us. I should bring her back on the show because, again, she has had experiences with Bigfoot as well as uh, extraterrestrials. So. Mm-hmm. She has a lot of knowledge about both groups, and, you know, again, we've heard from people that have dealt with fairies, good and bad with the fairies, good and bad with everything, So we can't just say, as Dr. J. wants us to, to think about this, that all Bigfoot are good. That's the way he thinks about it based on his experience. That I, don't, I have no idea. I've had no personal well, experience with Bigfoot. I was going to
2: say, I, I really wouldn't argue that one. <laughs> but uh, that, there again would be a question of feet don't fail me now because I'm not going to stand around waiting to, make fun <laughs> to see what works hopefully, not.
1: hopefully he wouldn't pass out like the Hani's students did. So
2: <laughs> no, it's just a lying there. Probably his face. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, there's just, again... Too many questions, not enough answers with, with all of these things. True. And as David Polites has wisely said, you know, don't go hiking alone, number one. Tell people where you're going. When you expect to come out, and make sure you give that information to somebody you trust so that if you don't show up, they will call in search and rescue. Yep. You, know, you don't want to give that information to some loser who forgets that you're out there somewhere lost. Or kidnapped yeah, or whatever. My, you want to give it. friend that forgot I was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to give it to somebody who's responsible and is watching the time and knows if you're not back by a certain time to do something about it. You also want to take a personal locator with you and a firearm if you are trained in firearms. that's always a wise thing to do. And as David has shared over and over again, nobody has ever gone missing that's had a firearm and a and a locator. So. <clears throat> Those that's true. And phones don't
0: always work when you're out like
2: that. Unfortunately, we think that they'll work anywhere, but they don't always. There's always there may be something that's blocking it from the uh, terrain. Well, cell
1: phones don't have service in a lot of places in the national parks, and even a lot of places in cities, they don't have service. But certainly, Mm -hmm. if you're going out into the wilderness, you know you need something other than a cell phone. So, oh, definitely. And, and also, people have talked about their cell phone batteries when they encounter something supernatural get drained. So, that's of no value when you're out there and you're encountering some strange uh, event and your cell phone battery goes down. You, you need something else, and you need all of the backup that you can give yourself because there's a lot going on in those woods and those mountains. And you, you know, the Native Americans knew to stay away from certain places. And mm-hmm. I believe that's why they named them with a the devil in the name to stay away from devil's nest and stay away from devil's this <laughs> or that. That's why they named oh. it that way because they knew that something else was going on there and people would go missing. So it's, you know, they knew what they were talking about and they were much more open minded to possibilities. So again, uh, be careful if you're going to be hiking and follow those precautions. Pick up David's book so you can read more about all of this. And he also has some great podcasts that he's doing on YouTube where he's reading people's stories. People have written mm-hmm. into him about their own personal experiences uh, beyond the stuff that he has in the books. And they're very interesting stories that he's been sharing with people in his podcast. So I highly recommend that. You can pick that up on off of YouTube and watch those and subscribe to it. Again, very informative, very unusual stories that I've never heard before. So it's a really good source of supernatural events that you don't necessarily hear about in the mainstream paranormal world. This is stuff that, again, parents encounter with their children and they just don't know what to make of it. So they're finally finding a place to share it with David, which is tremendous. So again, his work is is really is something spectacular. And he's faced a lot of hurdles, too, because the national parks do not want to cooperate with him. They refuse to give him or anybody a list of all the missing people, which is kind of unbelievable that there are yeah, thousands of people strange. that go missing I, and no list. That they won't allow us to know the who and how come. Well, they have lists of how much toilet paper they have, but they don't have a list of their missing people. Amazing. That's that? a problem.
2: <laughs> yeah, that is a problem. We don't pay attention to certain things and other things be spend too much time paying
1: attention to. Well, again, it's, it's they are covering it up. Why are they covering it up? It's not that they're not paying attention, PK. It's that they don't want to share the information publicly. And the reason they don't want to share the information is because those parks make money. So, well, they, you know, if enough do. people get scared... Of going to the parks because of whatever's going on in the parks, then they lose money. So all of that comes from the top down, where they're looking at the bottom line. I mean, you talked with Hugh about greed, and here's another example of it. So people's safety comes way far down the line. And meanwhile, uh, David tries to get these cases, they refuse to give him the files on the cases and they refuse to provide a list. And that should be, I think that should be brought up to our congressmen and other people that can change the law on that and force them to give that information. I'm a little leery about
2: them getting them to change things. They don't seem to be doing a good job of that at the present time anyway.
1: Well, they're not, but this is something that should be changed because we should know if there's, you know, a thousand people missing, in the last five years at y- Yosemite, I think we should know that information and who's, mm-hmm. who's on the list. So, I That's mean, for yeah, sure. It's true so some people go hiking, they're unprepared, they injure themselves, they die of exposure or whatever mm-hmm. from their injuries. But then there's these more mysterious cases. And, again, what do we have to, to even combat that? We don't have anything. We don't have enough to to really give ourselves a level a high level of safety. And even here's the other thing, and you know this is why I recommend that movie The Hunted that David right. produced because now what he did was he went into here are experienced wood people, woods people. They go in to the woods, they many of them have been hunting all their lives. They know where they're going. You know this is not unfamiliar territory to them. And they disappear. So if they disappear, what does that mean for you and me? Two nitwits going into the woods unprepared. <laughs> you know, it's like
0: we didn't grow but up in the
1: woods.
2: You know, we didn't grow up course. with
1: that lifestyle. Yeah. But these, now, these you men and what
2: women you're did, and they're gone. You're really in jeopardy. And you put everybody else in jeopardy that's going to come
1: looking for you if you're out there as a total novice. Right. Right. But to say that even hun- even the hunters have gone missing, and with no trace of them, I mean there was a story about an older gentleman and they he had only one eye, so you know he wanted to go and with his family hunting and they sat him down in a chair and and they didn't go far away, and they were going to i guess handle i don't know what what they were doing is i guess driving the deer in a certain direction, but they went back to get him, and he was gone, he was gone, and now everybody knew he was an older man, he had some you know, uh, problems with his joints and his legs. He wasn't going to travel very far on his own, and yet he, he was so. missing, totally missing, gone, never found him.
2: Incredible that anybody can disappear like
1: that, but we, well, ex- we're reading yes. more and more about it. And again, these are all experienced hunters, so mm-hmm. they know what they're doing in the woods, and yet here this this kind of thing happens. It's very startling, and it deserves a complete investigation, but yet, you know, it kind of reminds me of Bob Monroe when I worked for him, and he's always used to say about the paranormal, we just don't have the science to mm-hmm. deal with the paranormal. He said, all we are doing is measuring the exhaust from the car. We have no idea how the engine works with this stuff. That is what a very prophetic statement it's very profound. Bob was a genius and in, in everything he did. But at the same time, you know, he was he was also wise enough to know how limited we are as a culture that we are mm-hmm. unable to to get to the science of any of this. So we end up dismissing it because we don't have the science for it. Now no, we th- there was a story about a hunter that David reported and this is a, a woman hunter whose husband was a scientist and I forget the exact name but he was a scientist in opticals so he could you know examine photographs and types they were photoshopped and how they were made. I mean he was just he is still alive and he's an incredible genius at what he does in photo analysis and there's a special name for it that escapes me. But anyways, that was his wife, the hunter, that went out hunting one evening and she was sitting up in her tree stand And she said, all of a sudden, everything got quiet. Now, that's a big sign something's about to happen that is not natural to us. So she looked to the other tree, and she saw something moving, kind of like in the Predator movie, you know, Mm -hmm. where the thing goes invisible, but you get some kind of wave experience, like saran wrap is there, and it's kind of rustling in the wind. Anyways, she had her cell phone. She didn't even know she had taken a picture, but it's she was scared to death, scared to death. Now, here's an experienced hunter hunting on her own property, terrified. She didn't know what she was looking at. She didn't know what that was, but she knew she was scared of it.
0: Yeah, so, that's scary.
1: <laughs> when she could that. collect herself, she climbed down from the tree stand, went home, and they had dinner guests, so she didn't even tell her husband about it until after they left. And so he said to her, of course, being involved in photography, did you take a picture? And she said, "I, you know, I don't know if I did or I didn't. I was so terrified. She hands him her cell phone, and he finds a picture. Oh, and really? Yes. He finds a picture. And they look at it, and it looks like, again, out of a Predator movie. There's something there. And it looks like there's saran wrap over it and long hair. So, like the hair of a Bigfoot, that's what it looks like to me. So, anyways, he analyzes the picture, and he calls the, um, I don't know if it was Verizon or who she got the phone from, but he calls the phone manufacturer, and he gives them the pixels on the photo. And they said to him, there is no way that camera could have taken that photo. It's not equipped to take a photo like that. So there's no explanation <laughs> there as it was. To how this happened. But, again, here we are. We're in the world of the supernatural. There's no science to show us how this, this kind of thing happened. Now, strangely enough, they had a nephew who was a few miles away at band practice outside. While they were at band practice, they look up in the sky. At the same time that she was in the woods, scared to death, you know, everything went quiet where she was, they look up in the sky and they see UFOs in the sky. Yours. So the nephew calls and says, hey, you know, this is what happened. We were out, you know, doing our band practice and there were UFOs overhead. And it was this particular time, I don't know, it was 630 or whatever, same time that she was out on her deer stand so a couple of things that are supportive that there was something very unusual going on that night and again an experienced experienced hunter just scared to death not knowing what she was looking at but knowing that whatever it was she was terrified of it isn't that incredible that things like that can take place amazing yes And and strangely enough, thank goodness her husband was an expert and is an expert at this type of analysis. So, again, uh, we are far behind in understanding the supernatural and the paranormal from a scientific perspective. And that's to our detriment, especially in situations like this. So, you know, when people take the supernatural and put it down, dismiss it, make fun of it, whatever, they're really doing something quite stupid because it's all around us. Things are happening like this all around us. It's time we paid attention and really got down to brass tacks as to what it is and finding a way to have science support the uh, the whole event and see what really is happening. How did the camera take that photograph? It's not set up to do a photograph like that. It's supposed to be impossible, but it happened. So we need to understand how it happened. So now maybe, where do we turn <laughs> at information? That's the key. Well, you know, it's turning to people who are smart enough, who have the the science to try to tweak it in a certain way, so that we can use it. You know, we can use it to 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 figure all these things out. I mean, certainly, there's this is not this is just an example of one thing that's going on, but we we've, we've certainly seen through the years so much with ghosts, so much with with other types of cryptids. We have got to have Ken Gerhardt back on the show because. He has a new book oh, yeah. out about creatures, and you know all of these things. People have spotted him. Mothman. Mothman's one of my favorite favorite creatures. I love I know Mothman. You've been fascinated by him. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I would love to meet Mothman. I think Mothman is incredibly cool. So, but there's been so many people who spotted Mothman. So many people that had encounters with Mothman, and yet there are people who will dismiss it and just go, "No, this stuff doesn't exist." They couldn't be more wrong. Of course it exists. How did these people see this? They weren't having a mass hallucination. It was happening at all different times throughout a period of a month or two or three. So, you know, there's more going on there.
2: It's amazing how many things are made known to us. And then because we question it, next thing you know it's gone on to another step
1: and we've never gotten the answers that we really needed
2: or could use to go forward.
1: But That's it. That's it. So we stay, stay kind of stuck in the mud. Uh-huh. But these, some of these things that are out there are predators. Doesn't it make sense you'd want to know something about them? <laughs> I would. Well, I think I would like to also,
2: you know. I just yeah. wouldn't want to consider them all a bad date, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It could be I a bad, you. a really bad date. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, get A horrible date, a date you'd never forget. <laughs> oh, God,
2: for sure, for sure. Goodness gracious, you know, Patricia. You know, we're talking about this. What about what, when you take a look at things uh, for the future, and you're taking a look at how to represent some of these situations that are out there? We want to do it where We give people information, but we don't want them to get frightened by some of the things that come up. And some people get a little nervous and jerky by what we talk about, but if they would just take a look at it, how how many doors are opened up and how much information is passed on by our sharing?
1: Well, I agree. I think that knowledge is power, and also we have freedom of choice. There's certain things that we still can change. And what gives us that ability is to have an open mind and to take in all the information so we have good discernment and can make Mm -hmm. a better choice. So when that happens, we, we can feel at least grounded in our decisions moving forward. I think a lot of people just, you're right, they don't want to know. And I find it very troubling. It's like, well, if you don't want to know, then you're kind of at the effect of all of these things swirling around you rather than taking charge. I mean, don't you feel as a numerologist that you're giving people power over their own lives?
2: <laughs> By looking at your birthday or looking at your birth name, all these things can give you information that opens doors for you that you didn't even think possible or when to avoid the, the worst of things, shall we say, or minimize issues to a point that they're all workable. Because given our our personal birthday itself, set with the universe gives us information every day, every month, every year, that we could not only look at what's happening now, but we can take a look at what's happening in the future. Because everything we do wraps around the name at birth and the, and the date of birth. Because... Every letter of our name lasts for a period of time, and during that period of time, it will show you what you can work with, what's advantageous for you, or when to pull back and not try to push. There's nothing possible if you're pushing at a pull time or just the other way around. Take advantage of the knowledge that you have and look what you do with the things that you do for others, Patricia.
1: You know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting with you know the power of prophetic dreaming, of the mm-hmm. power to to ask a question before you go to sleep at night and wake up with an answer, to me, that's total empowerment. I mean, how easy is that? You get the answer oh. in your sleep? I mean, that's fabulous. It's easy. But a lot of people look at that, and they think it's too much work. So, no, I don't want to, you know, I just want to go to sleep. It's like, well, you will anyways. but why not wake up <laughs> Yeah, with eventually, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's better to so
2: wake up with an
1: answer. wake up with an answer, why not? And I worked with people, so many people through the years that started out they couldn't even remember their dreams at first. And and then over mm-hmm. in a month or so, they would become very proficient at dreaming and remembering their dreams. And by the time I was done working with them, they were all having prophetic dreams. I mean, it's kind of a natural flow if you pay attention to your dreams, that you will eventually walk into that space where you are having a prophetic dream. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. As much as some of the dreams can be a bit scary, I know a lot of people dreamt about 9-11 before it happened. A lot Mm -hmm. of people uh, dreamt about that um, tidal wave that took place before it happened. So, you know, and we know Betsy, Betsy Foss and, and Lewis, and she also has a lot of information about the future come to her in her dreams. So I'd rather know than not know, and I think your work and oh, my yeah. work and it, it does help people to gather as much information as possible and walk out into the world fully forewarned. Forewarned is forearmed. Why not have that information? Why not invest a little bit into your own self, your own consciousness, so that you can get a real look at what's happening, and also not be misled, not be misled right. by mainstream media. You One of my girlfriends called me today before the show, and she said, I just don't know who to believe about the virus. Is it dangerous? Is it not? Did you do this? Did you do that? So people are just running around like chickens without heads mm-hmm. about this, because they're getting so much mixed information, and they don't know how to evaluate it. So... It it is important to be knowledgeable with who you are, what your path is, and what your choices are going to be about it. I think, again, what you offer, what I offer, it's very helpful, very valuable to people to keep them safe and Mm -hmm. have a fulfilling life, especially in times like this. Oh, for sure. I never thought we'd see this. It's like a movie come to life. Never thought we'd see this day. Yeah.
2: No, this is totally unacceptable as far as I'm concerned. I have to have a chat with God again. We've got to make some changes here. <laughs> we have to get smarter and work harder at opening doors because he gives us all the tools, all we have to do is learn to use them.
1: Well, I know what you mean. It's we do need a a definite chat
0: about
1: this. I will share with you another piece of information that came to me about the virus and this is from a friend of mine in Texas who knows people at the CDC. And he shared with me that he has a friend that works at the CDC who doesn't get scared of anything. But he said to my friend, I'm scared for the first time ever. I'm really scared because the CDC has identified three vectors of this virus. Two, that will make you really sick, no question. But one, is a bioweapon that is designed to kill you. So oh my. I think that's part of the reason I would guess, based on this information, if this is real, that is one of the reasons why they're being so cautious because they don't know a lot about this third vector yet, but they accept that it is meant to be deadly. And I think, according to what this gentleman told me, this is why we're seeing people who are young and healthy being struck down in a matter of days because that's the vector they were exposed to. So if oh that's my. true you can really understand the caution that is uh is being expressed about reopening our our businesses and, and everything else. And mm-hmm. you know, I understand people don't wanna be locked in their houses. I, I get it. But at the same time But you're
2: alive. Doesn't that we're alive worth
1: something right. And the thing is then put things in place, whatever it is, whether it's masks or gloves or both or certain, you know, distancing procedures or whatever. There needs to be a protocol that we can at least all use together rather than some people wearing masks, which I've seen, <laughs> and then there are some not. <laughs> so, <laughs> which
2: I've seen. There needs to be
1: some uniformity, I think, with all of it. Yeah. I think people – some people get very scared
2: that they're almost like a deer in headlights. Then there's the hard charger. They're gonna Nobody's going to tell them what to do. And then there's a the guy in the middle that's trying to make peace with what's taking place so that we could all be safe and sound. It's like watching this ball bounce. You don't know which direction to go because some people are, like I said, like the deer in headlights. They don't know which thing to do first.
1: Well, they don't, and it's again. This is why you need to know who you are as a person. You need to know as much about yourself as possible, so you know what mm-hmm. to do. That a lot would of be this does, does come from within, and too many of us are out focused outward rather than inward. And so, you know, part of the time being in your own home and not running around in the world doing your shopping and all these other things is that you get to take some of that time hopefully for reflection meditation and going within rather than crabbing about it <laughs> so i don't know yes. how many people are crabbing and how many people are benefiting what do you think oh i'd go more for crabby than i would for the other side <laughs> <laughs> well you know, what's I, happening I, in I, tucson I, pardon me what's happening in tucson what are you seeing there well Actually, it's pretty calm, which is
2: nice. I don't see anybody panicking and getting uptight about it. In fact, for the most part, people are resigned to the fact that they need to stay away. They need to wear masks. But now that we're getting close to the 1st of May, I see that they're slacking off. I've noticed more people in the store not having a mask on, where before you saw more of it. If people just stop to think that mask may... Save their lives as well as somebody else's. They think they're doing it on behalf of others,
1: but they're doing it for themselves as well. Well, it has. Yeah, I would think so. Absolutely. And plus, there's so many people that may be carriers of this that don't know it. And That's, that's so. the point. And they sneeze. At least it stays with them.
2: They're already accustomed to. It. Instead of going off to somebody else that happens to be walking by. I was mm-hmm. at a store one day, and there this couple and their youngster. Who's probably about eight or nine. The little girl is coughing and sneezing. The father's got a runny nose and he's using his sleeve to wipe it, and the and the mother is hacking like like she's. I thought, oh dear God in heaven. And they're going from aisle to aisle, and as they sneeze, they don't realize it isn't just where they are; it spreads. And it so spreads a lot. Looked, she said, "Oh my God," and I said, "They've just been going through there." And she said. I'm wiping down my whole area here because they had been in her area dropping their stuff off. And I don't blame her for cleaning. She held everything up while she cleaned her area. Yet we have to take precautions. I know it's, it's time-consuming, but it's a life-saving attempt that we're making. Yes. We just don't exactly. know what the end result is right now. And until we really do, we do have to pay attention to how we handle things. Washing our hands is extremely important, but I think covering our noses and mouths is equally as important because the hands save us. The mask and such saves others. I think that's really... People that don't do anything to protect others, that's very selfish. That's very selfish.
1: Yes. Just my thought. Yeah, I think it is. And, again, it's... (laughs) This is a worldwide pandemic. It is not just, you know, neighborhood. This is a big deal, as Randy did explain to us before all this started. So it is something to keep in mind that we have to find a way that's going to work, that we can hopefully keep the economy moving forward and go back to work without threatening our lives and the lives of our friends and family. All of that has to be in balance, and that's quite a balance to try to find at this point.
2: Well, and I think one of the things that's so very, very important, we don't need to hoard anything. If we buy what we really need, there will be enough for everyone. The fact that we've been out of toilet paper or Lysol, those are the things that are necessities at this day and age, that they're unavailable because somebody's sitting there with a garage full or someone else, you know, why? Take what you need. You don't need more. And somebody else could certainly use it and make their life a lot easier.
1: Well, yeah, so. I do think it's, but it is also at the same time, something you need to plan for. The supply chain is breaking down. I've been talking oh, to people in this that area. Is down. And and yep. the problem is it's it's hitting on every level. So, for example, there are a lot of farmers in this area, which is great, mm-hmm. right? They, they raise, they humanely raise animals. Uh, beef, you know, I mean, cows for beef, and they raise um, pigs and all kinds of other animals, chickens. But what happened is the slaughterhouses got totally backed up. So mm-hmm. now the farmers are having animals that they can't bring to the slaughterhouse, which means that's not going to make its way onto anybody's table. So that's a big problem right there, let alone everything else that's going on with the supply chain. So we do need to know to plan ahead because there may come a time when you go to the store and there is no meat and there is no chicken. I've already been to the store like four weeks ago there was no chicken. It was gone. They're already making changes.
2: But if we are proactive instead of having to be reactive to everything and we're taking a look at some of the things that people are are, are doing – that are unnecessary when if we're just taking care of what we need. I, I feel sorry for the uh, farmer that's had to turn his milk on the faucets on and let the milk go to waste because they're it was unable. to take, Oh, it just breaks your heart because there's so many people that desperately need the food and need the milk,
1: and we can't get it. To I
2: don't their- know. The Solution is, but it's it's scary because. People aren't thinking in balance. They're thinking out of control. I'm not saying everybody, but enough of them do it that throw everything out of balance.
1: Well, and I have to say it's a bit confronting to go to the Costco website and see that you can't buy paper towel because they're out of stock, and you can't buy toilet Mm -hmm. paper because they're out of stock. And you go down the list. You can't buy Ziploc bags because they're out of stock. There is Mm -hmm. something that kind of strikes terror into your heart when you go to hit the buy button and you cannot buy it. That is not something we're used to in this country.
2: No, we've been very fortunate and also very spoiled. And Mm -hmm. so consequently, we don't pay attention To the the needs overall we just take a look at what we think we need that we're going to have to think more global
1: well and again planning i mean preppers remember the whole deal with preppers years ago and everybody was making fun of them you know that Mm -hmm. they were crazy that they they had you know all these canned food items and dry food items and and they were like, look, we know it's going to be necessary at some point, and we're getting ready now. Well, you can't make fun of them now. They were right. So they're ready. They've got everything they need. They've been planning for this for years. And I remember watching the prepper shows, and they were fascinating. But these people were serious about getting prepared mm-hmm. if, you know, we our culture, our society, our lifestyle could not be supported. They're ready. And they weren't hoarding. They were, you know, doing their own canning. They were doing all of their their own work to make sure that they had what they needed. It was smart. It was just smart. Smart thinking.
2: Well, there was a point in time when we did so much of our own canning and growing, et cetera. It doesn't happen anymore. Okay. When somebody cans something to me, it's like, wow, look at this. My mother used to can when I was a kid. She'd always take right. peaches from the trees and things. And it was always... They, you could never touch it if you had tasted as good as they did. And even though, when, as you're growing up, whoa, I had canned this, something out of a can, versus canned. It made you feel like you were getting something special until you got older and realized how special what they canned really was.
1: Yes, yes. It was a big difference, what my grandmother used to do. And, of mm-hmm. course, it's time-consuming. Of course, it it takes oh, yeah. that old-fashioned old knowledge, which hopefully isn't completely lost, but it is, it's an important thing to, to know how to do, to be self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. And, again, what we're looking at now here in the area that I live in is gathering together so we can do bulk buying from local farms to decide yeah. if there's going to be a farm in the area that's going to do vegetables, fruits, whatever, what will we do, how will we contract something with them. Mm-hmm. so that we can have a steady supply of what we need. Of course, the winner, that's a whole other thing. So yeah, that's like canning is know, important. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's where that becomes a very important skill to have. And, again, all of this is making us look a little more locally than globally so mm-hmm. that we can sustain ourselves that way. And probably the same is true for you there, that, people are are noticing you <laughs> know they go to the oh, stores boy, and some the, of the shelves are there. you know it's like oh, no I, the oh, tomato sauce not, is gone and all these other items are not there anymore nope it's nothing is
2: the same it's time that we have to reinvent how we do things to make them better not worse
1: yes but then what's the plan for that and i think some of it has to be being able to sustain your area, Mm. yourself, your family, locally? Because as the supply chain breaks down, then shipping becomes a problem, then receiving goods becomes a problem. So is there something that we can all do locally so that we are less dependent on all of those external factors and we can feed ourselves and, and do the things that we need to do to keep this going? I think there's a lot of places that haven't embraced that concept yet.
2: No, I agree with you.
1: And you take a look at these truckers that are having to travel the roads
2: and under the circumstances of what they're going through to try to make sure that things get through. And because of this, they have rest stops that are closed. There are restaurants that are closed on the road. So they have no place to go to utilize just healthy facilities, shall we say, or to eat. There's nothing, and they're still doing it. You can't thank them enough for what they're doing on behalf of everybody else.
1: Well, you it's, can. It's I know scary. a FedEx driver showed up here uh, probably three days ago, and he's somebody that I've seen often. And I always We're always talking about stuff together when he shows up, and this time he came at about 6 o'clock on a Saturday to deliver a package, and he looked terrible. He was so exhausted. I know they're pushing the drivers really hard to get these packages delivered, of course, these delivery uh, places are way behind. I mean, they've taken on a lot of customers suddenly. They can't handle mm-hmm. it. And it's just created a backlog in every way. I felt really bad for him because of the pressure that's on him to right. make sure all these packages get delivered. So, yeah, a, lot's, a lot has to happen more locally, I think, oh, so for that sure. we can be truly sustainable and, it's a, you know, it's going to be a challenge where you are. You have water issues in Tucson.
2: Oh, yes, we do. And we yeah. do have some things that are going to be taking place when you stop and think about the farmers markets and such as this that we've got up and about. But if things continue like this, how are they going to get them to market or getting things taken care of? People have to remember to be kind to one another because we may have to go back to the system where this person is the seamstress. This person is the baker, this you know, and share what each other has as opposed to I'll get it all because I deserve it. That doesn't work that way anymore,
1: yeah. And I know up here, I we live out as everybody knows in the middle of nowhere, and you know, we've had discussions about what happens once the cities if the cities collapse and people start coming out from the cities. We don't want them so. It's it's the kind of thing where, you know, rural living <laughs> affords you a, a certain mindset and boundary that, look, don't come out yeah. here because you chose to live in a city, you chose not to prepare for something like this, and, you know, it, this, is, this is not a, a good opportunity to come out here and think that you'll take, you know, the things that we've we've worked hard for for our local community so yeah everybody's got to start thinking a lot differently like you said and it's Mm -hmm. you know yeah it'd be great to think that we could all be kinder to each other but i'll tell you what when you're hungry and there's no food in the stores you're not going to be kind to your neighbor you're going to want to take their food it's just survival that's how it's going to be so that's the other thing to look at very honestly here it's a nice way to talk about let's all be good to each other Which is easy to do when everybody's got a full belly. But when there are people that don't have food, that are used to having a lot of food, that all changes. All bets are off. Well, there's a lot of us that could go on a diet without any problem. (laughs) But
2: I I did notice when things started to turn, uh, I had neighbors that called me and asked, Did I need anything? Because I'm on my own. Do I, would I, like they like to have them shop for me or whatever? And I thought, that's really, those are what we. We're raised to remember as neighborhoods. People go into their own worlds these days, and the fact that people will take the time right now to ask if somebody needs something as opposed to just ignoring, I think that's fabulous. Maybe we're getting back that human touch again. Wouldn't that be wonderful?
1: Well, not touching, that's not allowed, but, you know, what we're getting getting back to, I think, as long as things are available to us, as long as food, water, medical care is available to us, when those things go away, all of that changes. They won't be so nice, I guarantee you. It would be nice to think that that's possible, but I think if there isn't some type of a structural bond in place before that all falls falls apart, you can't even expect it. So I think we have our work cut out for us here. (laughs) And unfortunately, our guest didn't make it. I don't know what happened, but I'm sure I'll get quite the story at some point. So I'll well, be sure I, to post it. That
2: nothing happened to him. Probably, I hope he didn't go on one of those trail walks and end up being somewhere I know,
1: else. disappear. He could be missing 411 in the next book. Oh, my God, I hope not.
0: Oh, well, no, look, oh, I, no. thank you, everybody,
1: yeah. <laughs> for tuning in tonight and bearing with us and listening to us chat away as to what we know and don't know about the paranormal Anyways, it's always great to be here with you, all of you. And be safe out there. Now, next week, don't forget, great show. We're talking about the house. And we'll have a great lineup for you. And these guests will show up. So until then, (laughs) we will see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Good night.
0: Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. For another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls.